Yes, uh, be in prayer for Vacation Bible School starts uh, tomorrow, and we have over 91 children uh, signed up for it, so that's great. And yeah, you can clap for that. And so um, be in prayer, of course, uh, for my family who's directly involved with that and, and, and others because it is always a time of spiritual warfare. And uh, because there are going to be children who hear the gospel for the first time, and many will respond, and hopefully we'll have a good baptism uh, week next week. And so because of that, so be in prayer for that. Well, there's a story of an elderly woman who walked into the doors of a church for the first time. And thankfully, there were some friendly ushers who greeted her. And uh, one met her at the door, helped her up the flight of steps, and asked her, where would you like to sit? And she said, well, very politely, I like to sit in the front row. And um, the usher said, well, you really, you, know, you really don't want to do that. Our pastor is, he's really boring. And uh, apparently this usher wasn't happy with the church, I guess. And she kind of looked at him and she said, well, do you happen to know who I am? And the man said, no, I don't. And she said, I'm the pastor's mother. <laughs> to which the uh, usher replied, do you know who I am? And she said, no. And the usher said, good. <laughs> I feel like that happened here one day, but maybe not, I don't know. But if you've been active in a local church long enough, you realize there's, there's bound to be some type of drama that will crop up every now and then because the church is filled with people. And where there are people, there will be misunderstandings. Uh, there will be sin. There will be forgiveness needed, but there will also be love. There will be forgiveness given. And so there will also be a type of bond and, and unity that exists in a church body that exists nowhere else. As we continue to move through the book of 1 Thessalonians, we're going to get a glimpse into the relationship that Paul and his associates had with this church. We're going to see just how important Christian relationships are between brothers and sisters in Christ. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 17, going to be reading into, verse, into chapter 3. Paul says this, but since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face because we wanted to come to you. I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory enjoy therefore when we could bear it no longer we were willing to be left behind at athens alone and we sent timothy our brother and god's co-worker in the gospel of christ to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions for you yourselves know that we are destined for this for when we were with you we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. Verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love 
and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God? As we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Heavenly Father, we think about the fact that you will be coming back one day. We think about the fact that uh, not one day is, is promised to us. It's all a gift from you. And so we're thankful that you have designed, Lord, Lord the church to be a place of community, a place of relationships. But where there are relationships are, are people. Many times, Father, we will find ourselves uh, maybe in difficulties. But those difficulties are meant to bring us stronger and increase our trust in one another, increase our trust in you. So, Father, as we look at this passage today, show us the, the beautiful nature of being saved in a community of believers, being part of a community of believers, Father. Lord, I pray that uh, my words are yours today, that, Lord, you fill me with your spirit, and we hear your spirit in truth today, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you today four truths about the importance of Christian relationships. Four truths about the importance of Christian relationships, relationships between brothers, sisters in Christ. Number one, Christian relationships can bring us joy. Christian relationships can bring us joy. Now, I didn't say they always bring us joy, but they should and they can. And that is the purpose of them. Verse 17 says, we were torn away from you. In person, he says, but not in heart. Paul says that they, they were torn away. This has an idea of, of grieving a family member's death. You know what that feels like? A family member has died. You can no longer be physically with them but you, you, you still feel close to them. You still feel close to them in your heart. And this is kind of what Paul is trying to get across. They had grieved their time apart. They were separated physically, but they were never separated in his heart. And during this time of separation, Paul and his companions had a great desire to see them again but Satan would not let them, he says. I find this interesting. He says in verse 18, we wanted to come to you, but Satan hindered us. Now, if you remember what happened, they, were, they had to flee Thessalonica after the, the government came after them and arrested people in Jason's house who were worshiping there in the church. Not exactly sure all of the details, but Paul believes that Satan would not let him come back. Now, even though Satan is not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, 
He still puts kinks in your ministry plans. He still puts kinks in your church plans. He can work through all sorts of systems. He can work through corrupt government. He can work through communication. He can work through people. He can work through diseases and sicknesses. He can work through all forms of oppression. So Paul felt comfortable enough to claim that his being prevented to come back was Satan's work. It's going to happen sometimes. Satan will prevent us from doing the things that we want to do, we feel to do, even good things of the Lord. But Satan could not hinder Paul's joy for the Thessalonians, he says in verse 19. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and Joy. The, the next half of this book, as we're going to get in a few weeks, talks a little bit about the second coming of Christ. And Paul is kind of leaning into that with some of these phrases. And he's saying that when Jesus does come back, part of the crown that Paul will have, part of the joy he'll have is the fact that he knew the Thessalonians. The fact that he did ministry with them, that he planted that church so they grew to be good disciples of Christ. He is, they, they are his crown. They are his joy. He boasted of them wherever he went. Ministry had taken them apart. Uh, Satan had kept them apart even longer. See, authentic Christian relationships should bring us joy whether we're with the people or not. You know, next month, I'll have been pastor here for eight years. For some of you, it feels like 80, but it's eight, right? And in those eight years... You know, the church has changed a lot in eight years, but it stayed the same too. It's changed a lot, but it stayed the same. People have come, people have gone. I've done weddings, I, and, and I've done weddings, and now I've seen uh, the, the, the marriages that have performed now have children. That's really cool to see. And the children are talking. They're old enough to talk and everything, right? I've done funerals for brothers and sisters in Christ that I consider not just sheep but friends. And those relationships have ebbed and flowed and changed over the years. But one thing's constant. They've all brought me joy. They've all brought me joy through the ups and the downs. Paul had joy even when he couldn't be with the people he wanted to be with. And when Christians are prevented from worshiping together, it should bring us pain. And we've all experienced that, haven't we now? We've all experienced the pain of not being able to get into this room. Not being able to worship together, not be able to freely shake hands and hug people. We've all experienced that pain, which is why it's such a joy to see us being able to return to worshiping together. And it's a joy to see new faces coming to worship the Lord because Christian relationships bring us a certain amount of joy that no other relationships can bring us. No other. A brother and sister in Christ, you have a bond that even your family doesn't have if they don't know Jesus. Spiritual bond. And this is what Paul is feeling as he's writing through the Thessalonians. Christian relationships, no matter what our circumstance, they can bring us joy. Secondly, Christian relationships can bring us encouragement. They should bring us encouragement. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says this. Therefore, Paul says, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy 
to establish you in your faith. Somehow Timothy had access back to Thessalonica. But you know, there was no picking up the phone and calling. There was no FaceTiming. Isn't it wonderful to be able to FaceTime your family members now? There's no texting. It wasn't even email. There was snail mail. And it wasn't like what we have. It was like horseback, right? Letters took a long time to be received. Paul and his companions couldn't take it any longer, so they, they sent Timothy to go see how the Thessalonians were doing. Paul was worried about their suffering for Christ. He says in verse 3, We sent Timothy, why? To see that they wouldn't be moved by their afflictions, by their suffering, by their persecution. They were being persecuted like many of the Christians in the time were being. They were being persecuted. The, the, the pastor types, the apostle types that formed the church were not there, so they were concerned that maybe they had fallen away. And he says that you know that we're all destined for afflictions in Christ. One of the pains that Paul felt was the inevitability, the inevitability that the Thessalonians would suffer as new believers. And we will suffer some way as Christians, no matter where we live. We can have the most Christian secular society imaginable. We're still going to suffer because of Christ. These were new believers, and they would now suffer for Christ in ways they had never before experienced. And so Timothy's mission was to give them encouragement so during their suffering they would not fall away from the faith because we know that can happen. Start following Jesus, get excited, you, you come to church, and then something bad happens and kind of stops you in your tracks. Next thing you know, you, you just kind of slide off, you kind of fall away because... Maybe it's not worth it. This is what their predicament was. This is why he yearned for them to give them that encouragement. See, salvation on one hand is easy, right? It's the truth that, that, that God created the world, that we all sinned, fall short of his glory. Therefore, he sent Jesus to make a way where there was no way. And through his, his life and through his death and his work on the cross and his resurrection, that salvation being made, being made right with God can be offered to anyone who would repent and believe. It's the gospel. Anybody, it doesn't matter who you are, where you're from. So it's easy on one level, the access of salvation. But it's also difficult. Because it's far easier to live a worldly life than a Christian. Far easier. The Bible doesn't tell us things that we should do. The Bible tells us what we shouldn't do many times because it's much easier to do what we shouldn't. Jesus, in fact, says this, that that path is wide. Matthew 7 says this. He says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by, by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And one way, salvation is easy, but following Jesus is hard. And Jesus has told us that. It's a narrow path. It's not wide. Think about a nice wide interstate, how easy it is just to get on those interstates and fly down the road. And think about a back dirt road. Mud, holes, maybe a little bit of gravel. It's harder. It's harder on your vehicle. It's more difficult to, to, to pass through. 
But the destination is worth it. Amen. The destination in the short path, and not the short path, in the, in the narrow path, is worth it. And this is why Timothy was sent, to, to make sure that they stayed on the right path as the culture persecutes them and says, oh, come over to this path. Look how nice it is. It's got no potholes. It's got a freshly paved road. We even got people on the side giving you water bottles. All on the way to hell. Jesus says, no, the narrow path. It's hard, but it's worth it. It's the path that Jesus has called you on, and he will help you. He will encourage you. They had been warned, verse 4, for when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction just as it has come to pass, and just now as you know. They had warned them that they would suffer. It's one thing to know about it, but then when it happens, it's a different kind of thing. It's kind of like, Getting the flu. I'm so sick of COVID illustrations. We'll talk about the flu. It's like getting the flu. Like, you know it's going to be bad, but then when you get it, it's bad, right? It's, it's bad. Well, I've heard about it, but I never knew how bad it was. Right? They knew they would get afflicted, and they did, and now they were being afflicted and persecuted, and so Timothy was sent to encourage them. Verse 5, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. You know, it's so tempting to not follow Christ sometimes. We all need encouragement. It's a story before, you may have heard this before, a man was watching a Little League baseball game and he looked at the scoreboard, it was 18 to nothing. And he came up to a little boy in a dugout and he said, well, 18 to nothing, that's... That, that's, uh, that's pretty bad, but you don't look discouraged. The little boy said, discouraged? Why would I be discouraged? We haven't even come up to bat yet. <laughs> that's kind of what we need, right? It, it might seem bad right now in your life. It might seem difficult in your life. But if you know Jesus, you haven't even come up to bat yet. Yeah, we, we don't even know the, the, the tip of the iceberg what it's going to be like to have eternal life with Jesus Christ. This, the, when, when things are going well at church, things are doing well at church with relationships, it's just a little taste of heaven. It's like a little taste. It's just like when I give my, my two-year-old baby just a little taste of the ice cream cone. It's, you know, eating the whole thing's a whole lot better. But that little taste is like, wow, I can, can I have the whole thing? With caramel and, and cookie dough topping and everything? No, buddy, you'll throw up. But you know what I mean. It's just a taste of it. Paul was rightly concerned. We, we need the encouragement of fellow Christian believers. The deficit might look insurmountable, but God, we have God with us. Christian relationships can bring us encouragement. Number three, Christian relationships can bring us comfort. They should. Bring us comfort. Look at verse 6. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, see, Timothy came back and has brought us the good news of your faith and of your love and reported that you always remember us kindly and you long to see us as we long to see you. Isn't that a wonderful thing to have love that's reciprocated? Amen. Not only did he miss them, they missed them. 
For this reason, verse 7, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. When Paul found out that the feelings were mutual, that the Thessalonians, that he and his team were then comforted. They were then comforted by the Thessalonians. Timothy reported back to Paul that, that the Thessalonians felt the same way that Paul felt. And so Paul then was comforted in his faith. This made all his work feel worth it as he continued to be afflicted and persecuted for his faith. And there are many situations where only fellow Christians can bring comfort to your problems. Have you ever had someone who's not a believer try to comfort you? It's not helpful. Well, you know, this, this will pass. Thanks. <laughs> well, you know, the universe has a way of doing things. Thanks. But a Christian who can sit with you, point to Scripture, show you how God has a plan, show you how suffering is even a part of discipleship and showing how the gospel can even bring you joy and knowing also, and this is the big thing with the Thessalonians, that this life isn't all there is, but there's an afterlife, there's an eternal life that we look forward to. Christian relationships can bring us comfort. And number four, Christian relationships can bring us to pray. They should and they can bring, bring us to pray. Look at verse 8. He says, For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Paul says that he and his associates... They prayed earnestly every day and every night for the Thessalonians. Earnestly. You know, the more you pray for someone, the more you love them, even if you don't like them. That's the way it works. And then you start to like them because you're praying for them every day. That's what Christian brotherhood and sisterhood does. You know, almost every week, almost every Sunday, one of you comes up to me and tells, you, tells me that you're praying for me. And almost every day, I tell someone at the church, I've been praying for them. Almost every day, I tell someone, either in person or a text or a phone call, that I've been praying for them. Can you imagine what it would be like to have no one praying for you? There are many people where that's the case. No one is praying for them. Why not? They don't have friends, family members that know Jesus. They might be praying to some false god somewhere or some false idol, but they're not praying for them. Some of you may know that feeling. Another reason why Christian community and relationships are so important, you know, we don't just publish a prayer list to be some type of soft gossip chain or something. It's not why we do that. It's not just informational. It's so people will pray for others. That's why we have that. That people will pray for their needs. Another reason why 
Christian community and relationships are so important. Well, there was a man who was marooned on a desert island. He was there for five years. And finally, uh, someone came and saved him. Coast Guard or someone came and saved him. They went to go save him, and they, and they, and they saw uh, that he had built a couple huts there. And they said, there were three of them, actually. And he said, well, what's that first hut for? He's like, well, that's where I live by myself for all these years because he's marooned by himself on the desert island. And they said, well, what's the second hut for? He said, what? Well, that's my church. That's where I go, and I don't want to worship the same place I live, so I'll go, and I have church there in the second hut. He said, what's the third hut? He said, well, that's where I used to go to church. You know, relationships are not foolproof. Amen? <laughs> That's the biggest amen I've ever gotten here. They're not foolproof. You will be sinned against. It's going to happen. And you will sin against other people. Your feelings will be hurt from time to time as in any relationship. But this is how God has designed your salvation to work. Look at verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. Paul had hope that one day the Lord would lead them back together. Ministry opportunities are ultimately in the Lord's hands. We can have the best plans, we can have the best designs, but the opportunities are in God's hands. We have to remember that. Paul prayed it would happen, but it's ultimately up to God. And then Paul prayed for the betterment of the people. Look at this. He says in verse 12 as we close this time. As he's praying for them, what's he praying for them about? He's praying that they would become better. Look at verse 12. He says, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. We want your love for each other to grow. As we do you, verse 13. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of the Lord Jesus with the saints. It says, one day when Christ comes back, I want you prayed up. When Jesus comes back, if he comes back and you're still here when he comes back, I want you to be prayed up that you've been praying and you've been unified together as a body of believers. Can you imagine if Christ came back during the middle of a church fight, how embarrassing that would be? He says, when he comes back, I want y'all prayed up and joined together and worshiping together. So when Christ comes back, it's just like going from one worship service to the next. In your prayers for others, always be praying for their good. There's times you might want to pray that God might have to do something tough in someone's life. I understand that. But for the most part, Pray that God will bless them. Pray that God will conform them to his image. That's how we pray for one another. As we close today, I came across uh, a pastor's dedication prayer. I want to read this to you. That, that all of us, if we all kind of own, I think will help us always maintain the bond of unity. It says this. This is my church. It is composed of people just like me. It will be friendly if I am. 
It will do a great work if I work. It will make generous gifts to many causes if I am generous. It will bring others into its fellowship if I bring them. Its seats will be filled if I fill them. It will be a church of loyalty and love, of faith and service, if I who make it, it make it what it is am filled with these. Therefore, with God's help, I dedicate myself to the task of being all these things I want my church to be. If we want our church to be a certain way, guess where we have to work first? In our lives, in our own hearts. So, as we close our time together today, let's remember that there's no perfect church, although I feel like we're a great one. We always can continue to be conformed to the image of Christ, and there's always hope in our relationships, especially because we know Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we thank you for what you've given us in Christ Jesus. There's one in here today that's never placed their faith in you, that today they would, and they would be saved, and they would instantly have thousands, millions of brothers and sisters in Christ across the world. And they would have some in this room today. So, Father, I pray that they would make that decision today if they need to. Lord, there are others in here today that know you and have been following with you many years. They know what it's like to walk the narrow path, to trip over the briars and the stones and the potholes, that you would go out in front of them and let them see that they're not walking the path alone today. They're following you. And many times, Lord, you are kicking stones and rocks and potholes out of the way and filling them up for us. And we never stumble because you're leading the way. We thank you for that, Lord. Lord, if there is one in here today who needs comforting, that you would comfort them today, that needs encouragement, that you would encourage them today. And Father, we love you. Father, as we leave here today, that you would... Remind us that Christian relationships are not always perfect, but they're perfected in the unity of Christ. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.